has to learn them over and over and over again. And every once in a while, the machine just says, no, nah, I don't want to look at it that way. I want to try a different way of looking at things. I know it doesn't happen that way, but uh, it seems like it does at times that the computer just decides, I'm going to do this, and you can't do anything about it. If I push this button. You can see what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to, we have got 35 minutes to go through, did I say about 70 slides? Yeah, so uh, that's going to be it. We're, we might have to uh, uh, strap on some seat belts and cut in the cooling water to the, uh, to the control panel up here. Let's, uh, let's put this before the Lord and we'll get rolling. Father, again, we say we love you, and we do, and we want to know you. As Jesus had prayed to you in the, in the night before he was betrayed, he, he prayed that this is eternal life, to know you, the one true God. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And not just to know about you, but to know you intimately. And we do this through the intake and application of your word in our lives, Father. And so uh, we pray for concentration and clarity. Concentration on the part of those that are hearing. Clarity on my part, Father. And above all, a protection from any untruth coming out of my mouth uh, in, in this time, Father. And we do all this for your glory. We ask your blessing on this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So the last... Two chapters of Genesis finish off the primeval origins, the primeval history of, uh, of humans on this planet. And this was prepared. We keep in mind the original author, who it was, what he was talking about, and to whom he was talking. And, and he wasn't talking to us. Uh, he was writing this uh, for Israel, the children of Israel, uh, and now in particular the second generation of the Exodus uh, as they're preparing to go into the promised land. And he wrote all this down and taught it to them. And so we'll keep that in mind as we go through. This is to, this is to Israel. This is to Israel. And I think it helps us to... Okay, well that's why he's talking about that. Particularly as we go through... Um, in chapter 10, chapter 10, I'm sure all y'all know, that's the so-called table of nations. What's that? That's uh, what came out of Noah, or what came out of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the three sons of Noah, uh, because they fathered everybody that ever lived on earth after the flood of Genesis. Totally repopulated it, those three sons and their wives. And so let's go through and see what we have here. The second part of that, as you all know, uh, just by way of introduction, is the Tower of Babel. Uh, what's that? That was when God confounded the languages because what... What were the people doing? They were doing not what God told them to do because after the flood, uh, when they got off of the ark and God told them to scatter and multiply and fill the earth, uh, and they didn't do that. Uh, they went as far as from wherever the ark was to a place called Shinar, and we'll look at it, and they said, well... Uh, 
let's build a tower and uh, we'll make it high enough that if he floods the world again, he can't get... I didn't have any record of them saying that. But anyway, they're trying to build this thing to a tower to, to reach to God and, and, uh, and he thwarts that. Uh, and once again, there is a failure. And so we have the last of the major events of that prime, or, prime evil period of history for Israel uh, and for our benefit. You had creation. We talked about that. We had the fall. We talked about that. We had the flood. We talked about that. And we have the Tower of Babel. We're going to talk about that today. Let's see. All right. This is really busy. Uh, and uh, and I, don't, uh, I don't totally like it, but it's, uh, I think it's accurate, at least as far as what we need to look at today. Now, what I need to do right here is... Turn on my laser pointer, so I can I can try to focus you in the right directions. Can't, there it is, there it is. Okay, Noah, Shem, Japheth, Ham, and then right next to going down this way. If you go down this, just draw a vertical right down through there like that. Then all those kids there on the to the left of where my laser pointer was going up through there, those are all the issue directly from Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and then we get into their offspring and go on down and you follow the red the red names over this this is everything from from shem and we get over here now this is all abraham stuff down here we're not we are interested in that but not for today all right so 10:1 these are the generations of shem ham and japheth the sons of noah and sons were born to them after the flood The sons of Japheth were, and here's a bunch of them, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Yavan, Tubal, Meshech, and Tiras. And uh, I think I have a... Not yet. The sons of Gomer, one of those, were Ashkenaz, Riphath, and Togarmah. The sons of Yavan were... Elisha, Tarshish, Katim, and Dodanim. And here you have, so I blanked off everything you can't see except for, so this is Japheth and all of the issue from him. And we talk about him first because he is the least influencing of all the rest of the things. He's only talked about a little bit. He's not totally out of the picture uh, because everybody from uh, the north and west of there like uh, Middle Asia and Europe and all of that came from uh, Japheth's loins, so he is not totally out of the picture and he's not inconsequential. But with for what's going to happen basically with Israel going forward, not that consequential. This little graphic shows, now there's some of them, they're not all listed on here, but some of the issue from, uh, from Japheth, either directly or from one of his kids, is here, and the ones in red. The Katim there, Yavan there, Gomer there, Togar, Ma there, Ashkenaz, Madai, uh, Magog, whom you've heard about from other places in the Bible. He, he was further north from up there.
Just look at that. Oh, okay. All right. From these, uh, the coastlands of the nations were separated into their lands, everyone according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. Takes care of Japheth. Now we've got Ham. The sons of Ham were Cush, Mitzrayim, Put, and Canaan. And here they are. I haven't listed any of their uh, any of their offspring. And here they are. Uh, uh, are in in green. Mitzrayim put the and, and some more that came out of the Philistines, Canaan, the Amorites, the Hittites up there all came from the loins of uh, Ham. The sons of Cush. Sons of Cush were Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Ra'amah, Sabtika, and the sons of Ra'amah were Sheba and uh, Devon. And here you can see those. And here they are on the map. Now, Cush became the father of Nimrod. And so we take, there's a little bit of expansion here because Nimrod, Nimrod plays a big part in a lot of the things that, uh, uh, that bother Israel in the future. Nimrod became a mighty one on earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was in uh, Babel and Erech and Akkad and Kalna in the land of Shiner. Now I'm going to show you a graphic here. Uh, this has some more utility that we're looking at, but you see there is Shiner right there. Right above it, there is Babylon, so that gives you a picture of where it is. Right over here inside this box, that's about where... There on the plains of Moab on the east bank of the Jordan River is where the children of Israel are before they go into the land. And these are the, some of the other cities that were mentioned there, Erech, Akkad, and up to the north here we have Nineveh and Kalah. So you can get some perspective on where um, Nimrod was establishing his empire. From that land he went forth into Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ir, and Kalah, which we saw on the map there, and raised them between Nineveh and Kalah, that is the great city. Uh, you don't see Raisin on the map, but it's between, right in there, between Nineveh and Kalah. And now we're going to shift gears, we're going to talk about Mitzrayim. They might know what Mitzrayim is a word for? Egypt. Whenever we see Egypt in our Old Testament, if we look into the Hebrew of that, the word is really, it's not some uh, transliteration of Egypt, it's Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim became the father of Ludim, Anamim, Lehabim, and Naphtifim. And look at that. That is not the name of somebody. Uh, that, uh, uh, that I am ending on the word there. I think our, our budding Hebrew students can tell me what that is. That makes that a plural. And so that is, the, that is a reference to the people that come out of an individual whose name is close to that. And so those are all different peoples that uh, came from 
Mitzrayim, which is itself a people. And Pathrusim and Kashluhim, from which came the Philistines and the Kaphtorim. Canaan. Canaan became the father of Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth. Now, what do we remember? What do we remember about Canaan from last week? He was cursed. Why was he cursed? He was cursed because of what his father did in uncovering the nakedness of his drunken father Noah when he passed out in the tent uh, with no clothes on. And as a result of that, Canaan is cursed. And the Jebusite, the Amorite, the Girgashite, if you've listened all these many months and years that, uh, that Mark took us through the, uh, the book of Joshua and the discussions we had in, in, in Deuteronomy, tribes like these were mentioned all the time uh, in, the, in the, the taking, the conquest of the land and how they were to be dealt with by the children of Israel. And some more, the Hivite, the Archite, the Sinite, and more ites. And the Arvidite, and the Zimmerite, and the Hamathite, and afterward the families of the Canaanite were spread abroad. I think I have another graphic we'll get to. Yep, the territory of the Canaanite extended. Now here's, so see who's getting this. We look at this and say, I don't know what all this stuff means. But... Israel is going to understand that. They've got a sense of the geography, and certainly it's in their future that they, this will mean something to them. The territory of the Canaanite extended from Sidon as you go toward Gerar, as far as Gaza, as you go toward Sodom and Gomorrah and Adma and Zeboim, as far as Lasha. Now let's look at this graphic again that we had up there before. This red box rectangle here uh, is all the people in that area are in this box here. They were all in there, and that's dominated by descendants of Ham. All these ites uh, that were uh, Canaanites and others, Hamites, uh, Arvidites, Zemurites, Archites, Sinites, Sidonians, Amorites, Perizzites, Hittites, Hivites, Jebusites, Girgashites, all of those. And where are they? right smack dab in the sights of where Israel's going to go uh, when God takes the land and gives that to them. These are the sons of Ham according to their families, according to their languages, by their lands, and by their nations. Also to Shem, the father of all the children of Eber and the older brother of Japheth, children were born, of course. The sons of Shem were Elam, Asher, Arpachshad, Lud, and Aram. <coughs> the sons of Aram were Uz, and Hul, and Gether, and Mash. Arpachshad became the father of Shelah, and Shelah became the father of Eber. And I got one underline here. Now, two sons were born to Eber. The name of one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. So we have Peleg, and in his days the earth was divided. And this, so 
chronologically now, Genesis 11, 1 through 9, which we're going to get to here in a couple of minutes, the story about the Tower of Babel, chronologically that fits in right here. Because uh, otherwise, you can't take all the table of nations, get done with all of them and say, oh, now we're going to go have the Tower of Babel. No, by the time we get done with the table of nations, the Tower of Babel has already happened. We're just not going to talk about it until after we're done with the table of nations. Joktan became the father of Almadad and Seleph and Hazarmaveth and Jerah. And Hadaram and Uzal and Dikla and more. And Obal and Abimael and Sheba and Ophir and Havilah and Jobab. All these were the sons of Joktan. Now, Jobab. Some think that Jobab was Job. Uh, I do not. Uh, I don't think the time fits right there. I think Job was a little bit earlier than this. Uh, I respect those that have that thought. I just, I am disagreement and, and I've done a little bit of research. Am I dogmatic about it? No, I'm not dogmatic about a lot of this stuff, but I, I just don't think that, in case you have that question, I don't think Jobab and Job are the same character. Now their settlement extended from Meshach as you go towards Safar, the hill country of the east. They went east. These are the sons of Shem. According to their families, according to their languages, by their lands, according to their nations, where did they go? All right. This graphic again. And now it's really, so all this yellowish mustard color, we'll call that. That's, that's Shem. Shem and the Shemites uh, the red up here, Japhites, the green, the Hamites. And you can get the picture. And they're not totally separated. Uh, we have from Shem, way up here at the top, can you see that? Yeah, the Luddites. Uh, and uh, we have uh, an extremity up here, Eber. Over here, down here with the, uh, with the Hamites, we have Ophir. We have a section of green here that are Hamites in with, uh, uh, in with the Shemites, uh, but it's, uh, uh, it's scattered. You have Uzal in there and Obal in there. Shinar, notice that's in green. That was a, that was a Hamite thing. And so, awesome, this, uh, this graphic uh, that we have here. And so this is where all of the Shemites went uh, mixed in, mixed in pretty well. These are the families of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies by their nations and out of these nations were separated on the earth after the flood. And here's our graphic again. So all of these, all of these here, here, down this way, all of these came from Shem, Japheth, and Ham. And that's chapter 10. Here we go, chapter 11. Now, the whole earth used the same language and the same words. Well, you can see if we were just doing chronological, you say, wait a second, Mike, you talked about the division. And all. I said, okay, well, that fit in earlier. Now we're going to talk about that in detail for a couple of minutes. And it happened 
the Vayahi. It happened. Uri came about. As they journeyed east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. Now we know where Shinar is. We showed you on the graphic. And I'm not going to pull it up again, but just have that in your mind. They settled there. So en masse, they settled there. And they said to one another, hey, let's do this. Let's make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. I bet that was sticky. And they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. Now think about that for a minute whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Well, what had God told them to do? Scatter abroad over the face of the earth and multiply. And they're just saying, well, we don't want to do what God said. And so the Lord, the Lord comes down. They couldn't get up to Him. The Lord comes down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language, and this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. You have the first attempt at one world government and globalism. And have we given up on that yet? Not so much. And God says, Come. Let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So in a couple of thousand years in the future, on the day of Pentecost after the Lord's ascended, men were able to speak in languages that they didn't understand and didn't know Uh, and others could understand them as the giving of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that served a different purpose, but it's different backwards away from what they're doing here. Here he's making it so nobody can understand anybody except their own kind. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city, and the things that were happening in the previous chapter of uh, the graphic that I showed with the with the mustard red and green color showed how they were scattered uh, at uh, over time uh, in uh, in that point in time therefore the place its name was called Babel or Babel we pronounce it because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. And, you know, terminology like that is still used today. We talk, we sometimes uh, refer to someone or something as being a babbling idiot. Uh, Well, the the sense of the of the thing came from here. And I mentioned earlier in my in my introduction, this is the last great judgment on mankind. in primeval times, and that's a quote from uh, from Gordon Wenham in his uh, uh, commentary, exegetical commentary on the book of uh, Genesis. Uh, he also 
uh, sees uh, the whole thing as a chiasmus, and I'm going to show you, I think I can... So, um, uh, if, uh, if you had on the one hand Genesis 11, 1 through 9, uh, and, uh, oh, what? A Bible. And you just look at this thing. Genesis 11.1, 1. the whole earth had one language, so that's A at the top. It came about as they journeyed east and they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. So they wanted to stay there. They said to each other, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. They said, let us build for ourselves a city. And a tower. Uh, and otherwise will be scattered abroad. Then the Lord came down. That's the, uh, the concentration point. Uh, they couldn't get to Him. He came down to them. And so the Lord... The Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore its name was called... Uh, Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. Uh, the city and the tower which mankind had built, let's mix up their language, let's confuse their language, let's scatter them from there and confuse the language of the whole earth. So anyway, that again is, uh, that's a picture, that's how uh, Mr. Wenham sees that. I thought it was interesting. Um, and I apologize for the small writing. I know what happened. I, I'm not going to talk about the technology on that one. That one whipped me. These are the records of... Okay, now we're shifting off. So we've had the Tower of Babel. Now we've got, we've got uh, seven minutes, and we'll talk about the records of the generations of Shem. Shem was 100 years old, became the father of Arpachshad two years after the flood. So now we have some tie-in. We have some fixed, we have a closed genealogy of Shem, and from this we get some dates. So the, the protocol goes like, uh, so-and-so lived X years, and then he fathered B, and then he lived Y years after he fathered B, fathering sons of daughters. What we don't talk about here, different from uh, like in chapter 5, is we don't say, and then he died. Uh, so let's, let's run through this. So we've got Arpachshad. And we're going to get to genealogy. So those names that were going diagonally across that graphic that I showed you, we're going to talk about them. And Shem lived 500 years after he became the father of Arpachshad. He had other sons and daughters. Okay, that's the last we're going to hear about him. Arpachshad lived 35 years and became the father of Shelah. And Arpachshad lived 403 years after he became the father of Shelah, and he had other sons and daughters. And Shelah lived 30 years and became the father of Eber. 
And then after that, he lived 403 years after he became the father of Eber, and he had other sons and daughters. And Eber lived 34 years and became the father of Peleg. We said Peleg was named Peleg because during the time that he was born, the earth was, was divided. And if, if you look at the Hebrew, the, the, it's the same radical uh, that forms those two different uh, names, Peleg and Peleg. And Eber lived 430 years after he became the father of Pegleg, and he had other, not Pegleg, but Peleg, and he had other sons and daughters. Sorry, get my pointer out of the way there. Peleg lived 30 years and became the father of Ru. And he lived 209 years after he became the father of Ru, and he had other sons and daughters. And guess what? Ru lived 32 years, became the father of Sarag. And after Sarag, he lived 207 years and had other sons and daughters. Sarag lived 30 years, became the father of Nahor. That's the name we know. And he lived 200 years after he became the father of Nahor and he had other sons and daughters. Nahor lived 29 years and became the father of Terah. And he lived 119 years after he became the father of Terah and he had other sons and daughters. And Terah lived 70 years and became the father of three. Abram, Nahor, and Haran. This kind of reads like Genesis 5.32 where we have everybody is having somebody and then after that they're having sons and daughters and then they die and we get up to Noah and it says now Noah lived 500 years and became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Terah lived 70 years and became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Herod. Now he didn't have all three of those in the same year unless they were triplets. And the Bible's not, it's silent on that. It just He was at that age, give or take, and had those three. Now these are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his birth in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abraham and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. We had some cousins getting married here. Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran his grandson and Sarai his daughter-in-law his son Abram's wife and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan and they went as far as Haran and settled there. This nine generations, 365 years from Arpachshad's birth to Abram's migration to Canaan, the narrative moves us from one world to another. From the dim and distant past into the nearly contemporary world of the patriarchs. Remember, who's getting this? It's not, we get it now, but it was given to Israel. This is close to home to them. 
they recognized Sarah, Father Abraham. Uh, that, is, that is recent history to them, only a few hundred years. Other things we have, so the flood happened the 600th year, the second month, the 17th day, the flood started. Noah died uh, in creation years. He died in year 2006. Uh, that, uh, and that was, uh, let me get this next graphic up here. And Terah died. The days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. And we're now set up for the call of Abraham and the beginning of the patriarchal narratives. Uh, and did I? I did not. Um, so um, that's what I have. I had somewhere in my notes here, I had the graphic of we can now tie uh, all the dates all the way through from creation, uh, the creation of Adam. We can tie all those through uh, to the Exodus by looking forward to kings and coming back to when the Exodus was and tying that with with uh, all this stuff that's happened with the birth of, of Abraham and on down. We have dates now and we can get it tied together. And the children of Israel, this is, this is their history. Um, this is like uh, us looking back, if we could, uh, a couple of thousand years and seeing uh, the birth of, uh, of uh, Grandpa Amos or whatever and coming forward. So how important it is for them to understand that all those names of all those places that we saw in there uh, mean something to the children of Israel now. And they have a lot of information for us, but this is primarily stuff that was intended for them. And it's rich. Uh, and uh, I have had so much enjoyment in teaching this series. It took... David thought I could do this in three weeks. And it took me twice that long. So that's about the expectation. You say it's going to take you this long, double that with me, and that's what I'll get there. I want to say just a couple things about um, the Hebrew. Those of you, I know there's at least one in here that's a budding Hebrew student. If you want to practice reading your Hebrew, you can go, you say, why would I want to read the Table of Nations or any of this stuff? That's easy Hebrew in there. Uh, because the names, a lot of them transliterate over, and it's easy. You can look at the letters and you say, yeah, I recognize that name, Abimelech. And uh, uh, so uh, look at that. When you've got some spare time, go through there and try to do that. That's, that's a good way to practice reading your Hebrew, pronouncing the words, getting the right emphasis on the correct syllable in there and, and all of that stuff. And I love you all. We are out of time. Let's, uh, let's close in prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time that we've had together in the Word this morning. We pray that the Holy Spirit will make it real and make it understandable and protect us from any false words that we might grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to be adequately equipped for the making of disciples. We do all this for your glory. We thank you for this time together. We ask your blessing now as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank <laughs> you.